Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi, I'm Adam Berkmans, and today we're making smoked venison country ham and biscuits. This recipe was created by Heidi Chaya, a field staff writer for Harvesting Nature. She writes... Deer season has come to a close, and many of us are looking to make room in our freezers, perhaps by tackling that large special occasion cut that's eluded cooking since last year. In my case, that cut was a hind leg from a small doe. Using Hank Shaw's smoked venison roast as inspiration, the leg was coated in salt and sugar, vacuum sealed, and refrigerated for about 10 days before a long, slow smoke over hardwood charcoal and applewood from local pastures. There are plenty of tasty uses for the leftovers, but this recipe pays homage to a regional Virginia specialty, the country ham biscuit. Country ham is a cured pork creation that takes months to prepare, but the diminutive size of the venison leg allows the rub to penetrate and results in moist, exceptionally smoky meat that's not unlike country ham. The key to this recipe is maintaining temperature to ensure a beautiful smoke ring without drying out or overcooking the meat. The biscuit sandwiches are served with carved slices of smoked venison, honey butter, and green tomato jam, harvested just in time for our first frost. The flavors of the sweet, rich butter and tangy jam pair nicely with the salty, lean venison. Thanks, Heidi. The topic of ham was interesting enough that I went down quite the wormhole reading about it. Let me share a little bit of what I discovered. First things first. What is ham exactly? Well, ham is pork cut from the rear leg of the pig that has been cured in some way, whether by wet or dry curing methods. Hams are often smoked as well. To dry cure a ham, one rubs raw pork leg down with salt and lets it sit for a time, then washes off the salt and lets it hang for a longer period of time. Herbs, spices, sugar, and nitrates could all be added to the salt cure for more flavor or for different properties. To wet cure, 
one would submerge a raw pork leg or a piece of one in a brine made from salt, sugar, water, and often other seasonings and nitrates for a shorter time, and then serve it. Think of thinly shaved dry prosciutto. That's dry cured ham. Now think of normal cheap sandwich ham that you can buy in packages pre-sliced. That's wet cured ham. To be clear, there are higher quality wet cured hams available, but I wanted to exemplify the difference. The reason hams were cured is due to the inability to keep meat for a long period of time before refrigeration existed. Curing hams extended their lives well beyond what they would have been raw, sometimes even years. Smoking could further protect hams from degradation over time. Apparently the word ham is derived from the Old English word home, which meant bend of the knee, which was in turn derived from an old Germanic word that meant crooked. Considering the ham is taken from the leg of the pig, or everything above the crook of the knee, so to speak, you can see how the etymology progressed. Historians argue, they're always arguing, aren't they? that ham was first produced either in China or in Gaul, which is modern-day France, sometime around 5000 BCE or over 7000 years ago. By the time the Romans came around, ham was a well-known foodstuff and was being made all over the pork-eating world. Pre-Roman hams were probably roughly salt-cured pork legs, but as time progressed, so did ham craftsmanship. Eventually, areas became known for producing quality hams, and certain styles of hams were named after those areas. Take Anfu ham, for example. A Chinese dry-cured ham from the Anfu region in Jiangxi province made approximately 2,000 years ago. Jinhua ham is another Chinese ham from the city of, you guessed it, Jinhua. This dry-cured ham is made exclusively with the Tongcheng pig and is known as the most prized ham in all of China. York hams came from Yorkshire, England, and are cooked, dry-cured hams that are very well respected internationally. Westphalian hams come from the oak forests of Westphalia in northwest Germany, and are made only with acorn-fed pigs. The ham gets dry-cured, then smoked over beechwood and juniper. Prosciutto de Parma and San Daniele are Italian hams that are cured with nothing but salt, relying on both the region's microbes to provide their unique terroir and flavor. Jamón Ibérico is a Spanish ham made from only black Iberian pigs. It's a fatty, dry-cured ham that usually develops a layer of mold on the outside, which is cut off before eating. It is the world's most expensive ham. And that brings us to the USA, where hams landed with the first European explorers and settlers. First Nations peoples did have interesting ways of curing meat, but not specifically hams, which we are discussing today. As mentioned in an earlier Antler Vin podcast, Spanish explorers were responsible for bringing the first pigs to the New World in the 1500s, and every ship after them was sure to bring either pigs or hams with them. The Jamestown settlers definitely brought pigs with them, and would have been slaughtering them in the fall and curing hams and hanging them for the winter, just like it had been done for centuries. The first Finnish ham would usually be taken down for Easter, hence the ubiquitous Easter ham. The rest of the hams would have then been enjoyed throughout the spring and summer when it would have been too hot to actually process pigs. This way of doing things is still carried out today in many places in America, including many Acadian communities in Louisiana and with the Amish in Pennsylvania. 
In the early days of American settlement though, every farm, village, and town would have been partaking in an annual hand-making event to store enough food to get through the year. As an interesting aside, a large number of pigs were kept in New Amsterdam, which is modern-day Manhattan, to help feed the Dutch colony there, presumably with ham. A wall was built to keep out British forces, but the herd of pigs became intent on destroying that wall and hampering fortification work. Despite many attempts to relocate the pigs, the Dutch colonists continued to struggle with them and their walls suffered for it. Eventually, the British overtook the town and tore down that problematic wall, replacing it with a road instead. The name of that road? Wall Street. Though hams were being made all throughout the new American colony, there was one place in particular that became internationally renowned for their hams, Virginia. Virginia's latitudinal placement meant that it was in the perfect climate to create beautiful hams. The region eventually became known as the center of the ham belt in light of this. Although the settlers ate a lot of pork, even more was sent back overseas to Europe, where Virginia hams were all the rage. Apparently, Queen Victoria had a standing order for six hams per week. After years of deforestation and poor tobacco farming practices, much of the soil in Virginia turned sandy and lacked essential nutrients. Peanuts happened to do well in these conditions though, and this led to an even more celebrated ham. Farmers in Smithfield, Virginia would harvest their peanuts and then let the pigs into the fields to root up any that they had missed. These peanut-fed hogs produced an even tastier ham, and ever since, even to this day, the Smithfield ham has been the gold standard for American hams. These dry cured hams came to be known as country hams. Once refrigeration came onto the scene though, a new ham emerged, the city ham. City hams were wet brined or even made up of pressed chunks of other hams. These couldn't hang out in the shed for months but needed constant refrigeration. Much cheaper and easier to produce than country hams, city hams became the norm, even to the point that it lost part of its name and just became ham while dry-cured hams are still distinguished by their country moniker. A simple taste test will show you which one is better though. Hams can still be made at home and can even be made from different animals. Take Heidi's venison ham for instance, which does as good of a job of greasing biscuits as any pork ham ever did. This recipe takes about 5 hours to prepare and about 5 hours to cook. To make it, you'll need a scale, a vacuum sealer or ziploc bag, a charcoal grill, pellet grill or smoker, and a food processor or blender. Ingredients For the ham 1 bone-in venison hind leg, about 5 pounds Kosher salt Sugar For the green tomato jam 3 medium green tomatoes half a medium onion, two cups of water, quarter cup of apple cider vinegar, one teaspoon of celery salt or to taste, half a teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes. To serve, buttermilk biscuits or your favorite kind of biscuit and honey butter. Preparation 
weigh your venison leg in grams and measure out 1% of its weight of kosher salt in the same amount of sugar. Generously coat the entire leg, making sure to work the rub into the meat and around the leg bones. You can use a tray or bag to keep things tidy and make sure all of the rub gets into the meat. Vacuum seal the leg and refrigerate for two days per pound of venison. We did 12 days for a leg that weighed about six pounds. Flip the meat over once per day. Remove the leg from the vacuum sealed bag and rinse thoroughly. Pat dry with paper towels. Heat a charcoal or pellet grill to 175 degrees Fahrenheit to 200 degrees Fahrenheit and add your desired wood chips or chunks. Apple, cherry, and hickory are all good choices. Smoke the venison leg over indirect heat for five to eight hours or until the internal temperature reaches between 120 and 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Use a meat thermometer inserted into the thickest part of the meat without touching the bone to ascertain the temperature. The meat should be cooked no further than medium. While the meat smokes, make the green tomato jam. Roughly chop the tomatoes and onions and puree in a food processor until just a few larger chunks remain. Add the pureed vegetables and remaining ingredients to a saucepan, bring to just below boiling, and simmer for about two hours or until most of the liquid has reduced and the jam takes on a golden color. Once the venison leg is smoked, let it cool for 10 minutes before slicing and serving. Have the buttermilk biscuits and spread them with honey butter and green tomato jam. Add a few thin slices of smoked venison and enjoy. The leftover sliced meat can be frozen or eaten within a week. For more great wild fish and game recipes, be sure to subscribe and follow Antler and Finn.